Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be here on this day where we honor and we celebrate the fathers, Lord, as, um, uh, Lord, uh, they play such an important role in the families. Father God, I ask right now that you just uh, continue to be with us, that you speak to us, that you, Lord, that you just uh, open our hearts and our ears to receive your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. It's Father's Day. I think it's only right to start off with some dad jokes. I already feel my son cringing back there, like, why? All right, which famous Bible character had no parents? Joshua, son of none. Which, well, who was the most business savvy woman in the Bible? Pharaoh's daughter. She went down to the bank of the Nile and pulled out a little prophet. Uh, <laughs> what kind of car did the wise men drive to see baby Jesus? It was the Honda Accord. The Bible says that they came in one accord. Do you need an ark? I know a guy. Noah guy. All right. <laughs> Jamal's laugh. Praise God. Okay. Now on a serious note. I do want to read you this. I do want to read you this. Um... And I don't want to mess it up, so I'm just going to read it uh, directly how this, this father wrote it. So um, we don't know what father, but it was written. I don't want to steal credit or anything. So he wrote, and it says this, I went to Sunday school when I was small, and I learned about God. After I was married, I decided to go back again. <laughs> it's a long time, right? To go back again and take my children. We went regularly for a year. Then I skipped a Sunday, and then a Sunday became two, and then it came three. And then soon, um, we only went on special days. Then we be- went on to become interested in things like fishing and hunting and sports. Oh, how the children love these things. Three months ago, in a courtroom, I sat and heard a judge say, 20 years. He was pronouncing a sentence upon my 21-year-old son, a punishment for drinking, gambling, and robbery, which ended in the shooting and near death of a man. The sentence might have been less, but my son took a sneering, defiant attitude all throughout the court, ridiculing every law officer who spoke to him. But the most shocking moment was when the judge sternly asked, young man, don't you believe in God? My son laughed out loud and said, God, who's that? Everyone in the courtroom turned and looked at me. If only I had those years to live over again. Night after night, I have paced back and forth, repeating those words in my mind. God, who's that? Um, We're going to circle back and touch on this. But the worst feeling, I could only imagine the feeling of this parent at that moment. 
if I could only go back in time, if I could only have been more commitment and shown my child priorities. We're going to talk about that. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. I want to talk about the second part of this verse for today. And it says, rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And before we get completely started, I want to turn to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Did you know, did you know that research, if you ask me which research, I probably can't tell you that, but it was researched. (laughs) It's on the internet, so it's got to be true, right? (laughs) It was researched and... (laughs) The results are that raising your child in the faith, raising your child in the faith has a great bearing on their faithfulness as an adult. And we're not just talking about faithfulness in only faith, but faithfulness in many areas of their life. You know, they're more faithful with their families. They're more faithful in their careers. They're more faithful with their schoolwork. It's faithfulness in general that is impacted by the upbringing in the faith. The more scripture that is emphasized to a child through their upbringing results in them being more faithful as an adult. The more they attend Sunday school, children's church, results in your children being more faithful as an adult. The more they saw the faithfulness in their mother, the more that they were faithful as an adult. Now, this article that I read says, but what was most important, this is where your fathers, we can kind of pop our collar if if we're trying, right? Where we saw most important was seeing the faithfulness of a father, which had a major role in the faithfulness of a child. Today's title, today's sermon title is The Role. The Role of a Father. So that, what would be the role of a father so that our children can be faithful Christians when they grow up? Can we talk about that today? Amen, amen. Man, that story bummed everybody out, right? I should have saved it for like the end so you guys could have given me more energy throughout the thing. I want to say this, though. I can't, we're not going to go into this sermon thinking, okay, let me write down what I got to do to guarantee, to make sure, okay, if I do everything that, we, that I hear today, that my child is going to grow up, it's perfect, it's fine, and that I, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't guarantee that because what happens is God gave us something called free will. He gave us free will, and so what happens is that no matter, no matter how perfect a formula may be, no matter how great you are as a father, as a parent, 
your child ultimately has to come to a decision to say, I choose. I choose Jesus. Your child has to do that. Can you imagine the sons and daughters that didn't grow up with a father? So what, they miss out on, the, on this perfect formula if there was? No, that's not the case. The case is that we all have an opportunity to say, I choose. You had a great father, you still choose to, 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 to follow Jesus. I had a horrible father, I still choose to follow Jesus. I had no father present, well, I still choose to follow Jesus. Listen, um, I'm, there, there is no greater example of a father than God the Father. There's no greater example. And I know as humans, we, you know, we, we, we all desire that physical affection of a father. But I'm going to tell you this. As much as good as it may be, it will never, never take the place of the relationship that God wants with you and what he is capable and willing and desires to do for you. So there's no perfect formula, so, you, you know, you got to understand this. However, by doing these things or by trying to be this example or trying to fit the role that God desires in our children's life, if we can do this, then when it is time for your child to choose, they know what a godly man looks like. They know, what, uh, your, your daughters will know what, it, what, what a godly man looks like versus those that, what, the, the, the wolf in sheep's clothing? those that want to take advantage, those that are interested in all the wrong things. You know, I have a daughter. I'm going to tell you right now. It's gonna, she, she can get married at 45. <laughs> that, that's, that's it. That's it. We, we'll save this, and she can watch it over and over again. She can count down the years. She can count down the years. I'm going to tell you this, though. I'm going to tell you that, that I tr- I'm trying to be the best example. So that my daughter, when she sees someone or a guy in her life who can't even open the door for her, who can't even uh, make sure that, like, I hope that she sees the relationship we have, you know, where I'm like, hey, babe, you okay? You got what you need? This and that. But every time before I leave, I'm allowed to leave out. You good? You need anything? Can I go somewhere? Make sure she is set. My daughter needs to know that, that the, whoever, whoever God's going to have for her is going to make sure that she's good and that she's set and that she's taken care of and that she's cared for and that she's honored and respected. My example shows her that. If I don't have that example, then she, what does she have to compare? So when it's time for her to choose, she has the, the example set before her. So even though we can't guarantee the choices our children will make, we can guarantee that they will have a good example of good and bad. Because we don't got to worry about the bad. The world does that on its own. So we just got to worry about presenting a good example. So what's a father's role? What's a father's role? These verses that we read, we heard to, to instruct them in the ways, right, to bring them up. And um, with discipline and instruction, we, the other verse says to teach them, right? To train up a child. Yo, when I read this, I was like, yo, let's talk military, training, boot camp, all that stuff. And I was like, no, I can't. We'll save that for another day. So that way I don't wear you guys out. <laughs> the role of a father is to teach our children, right? Throughout scriptures, fathers are encouraged 
Uh, fathers have been encouraged throughout the scriptures to teach their children right and wrong. Moses tells the children of Israel, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, it says, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving to you today. Repeat them again and again. We just saw that again and again. We just repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about when you are, talk about them when, when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. All the time. I know many of us have heard this verse, right? But, but, but sometimes I don't think we truly understand it or grasp it. I mean, it's not, I, I know, I know that, uh, you know, we may, we may uh, take time and, and do this or bring them on a Sunday. or what's, Listen, the word says again and again. Teach your, these commands to your children over and over. In the morning, in the nighttime, like while they're eating, on the way to school. I mean, there's opportunities. We are to commit to his commands. This, this verse, if we understand it, we're supposed to commit. And the verse says wholeheartedly. Some verses actually say um, um, that, that the, the commands should be written on your hearts. How could his commands, how can we commit to his commandments wholeheartedly if we don't know them? How can we commit and have his commands written on our hearts if we haven't read them? If we, how can we commit to something that we don't know is true? So we have a responsibility. It clearly indicates that we should be, we should be uh, feeding ourselves, studying the word of God. It clearly states that we need to spend as much time as possible examining the word of God. Because we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility as a parent to teach our children. Day after day, night, morning, all the time. It's supposed, the word is supposed to be written, the commandments written upon your heart. In Acts chapter 17, um, Luke, he praised the Bereans, right? He praised the Bereans. Look, I saw two heads pop up. Bereans? <laughs> Saying that they were, <laughs> they were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received with measure and with great eagerness the word of God. So then they can turn around, right, and, and, and examine it and study it for themselves to make sure that everything that Paul said was actually true. I tell you, you know, I, well, you can't do that because, like, we're live and people will see it and then they'll cut a little piece of the video and then they'll say things, but I'll be like, yo, imagine to purposely say something to, to see who would catch it. How, how, to purposely say something incorrect to see who would say, pastor, that's not in the Bible. Again, not going to do it because can't control what people see out there or how they manipulate the videos. Um, but it is important that you understand that you just can't take what I say here and walk away and be like, that's it. No, actually what I encourage is that you take what I say and say, okay, well, let's see what the pastor was talking about earlier today, and let me read it again, and let me read it for myself, and then let me see how it applies to my life. That's what, that's what I would love. 
Because then it, it keeps me on my toes. Because then I'll be like, oh, if I say something, they're going to be like, um, Pastor, uh, you said, you called it beatitudes instead of beatitudes. Pastor, just so you know, you mispronounced this word. That's okay. It just makes you a better person. I'm going to be wrong. It's okay. I'm human. <laughs> Listen. Listen, we need to, and fathers, fathers, I'm, I'm this, this, I'm, and so let's say this. We're talking to the fathers today, but much of this applies to everyone. I'm talking to the fathers today because I want to have this conversation with the men of this church, but this applies to everyone. And so what happens is, fathers, we have a responsibility to know the word of God, to then if we hear the word of God, or if our children are in Sunday school and they come back and they say this, okay, yeah, and we listen, we say, you know what, we reinforce it and also make sure that what they're learning is true. Because you ultimately are responsible. You can't blame the Sunday school teacher 20 years from now. Oh, they taught them wrong. No, it's your responsibility. We have great Sunday school teachers here. That won't happen in here. I'm just saying. Let's give it out. I know. Our children, man, they're blessed. They're blessed. Okay, all right, all right. So President Woodrow Wilson said this once in one of his speeches. He said, I ask every man and woman in this audience that from this day on, they will realize that part of the destiny of America lies in their daily perusal of this great book. We had a president that said that once. Yeah. I say, I say, I, I take his saying, right, and his statement, and I say, let us realize that the complete I know he said partial destiny, but I'm saying that the complete destiny of our families lie in the daily perusal of this great book. (sighs) Repeat them again and again and again to your children. There's even another version that says um, impress the word of God, have it impressed in them. Do you know what impresses? Who works on T-shirts? T-shirt, all right, we got like, we got like three T-shirt companies at least, three or four in the, shirt, in the church. We rotating. We run, buy from you, buy from you, buy from you, buy from you. We can never say we don't got nobody to buy T-shirts from. We got like four companies in this church alone. <laughs> I'm going to start, I'm gonna start um, um, finding a way to link, like whenever they have Lighthouse uh, merch, Whenever they all create it, we'll link them like on the website. So whenever you, whatever one you like, you go straight to whoever made it, and you can buy it directly from them. We gotta do that. Amen. Right? Let's do it. Dennis is watching, so we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. So, so what happens is again and again to impress when they are when they are making their shirts, right? They're they, they're they're impressing the images. They're impressing the letters onto T-shirts. Right? Like, that's been impressed. That one and that one. Like, like she can't scrape it off. It can't come off. Now, can the shirt get dirty? Can the shirt be where it's not supposed to be? Like, on the floor instead of in the laundry basket? 
The point is that the shirt can get dirty. The shirt can be where it doesn't need to be. The shirt can be, you know, it can even have some holes in it. But the words cannot be taken off. Our children, you have to understand, it's your responsibility to have the word impressed in them. Yes, they may sin. They may fall short. They may get dirty. They may be in places they don't need to be. They may, have, they may go through stuff. They may tear them down. But when you impress the word of God in them, it is there. And all it takes is for them to run into the right person. Because as a parent, you're praying for your children, right? And so all it takes is for them to run into the right person at the right time, at, the, at a God-given time, an anointed time a blessed time where somebody says, listen, I just want to tell you, you know what? God is the answer. And they say, you know what? I know because, and then they start to repeat all the things that were already impressed in them. We saw it yesterday. There was this one guy preaching out there, high as a kite. And he was preaching. He was bringing word. I was like, brother, yo, I, I almost wanted to just like, you know, I, 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 just, I just don't know how I feel about this. But I kind of wanted to go live with him. I wanted him to send the message. I wanted, but sometimes I, I hesitate because I don't like to put people on camera and things like that. But, but, but he was bringing some word. The word was impressed in him as a child. And even though he finds himself in a situation that is not where God wants him to be, the word is still there. And, it, and look how it came out. It came out, it was, it was like he was vomiting word. It was like, because once you get into the presence of the Lord, once you get to where the anointed are, right, all of a sudden it activates something. It activates it, and all of a sudden it starts to come to mind. It starts to come to mind, all that. And he, it, you know, it wasn't really for us. It was for him. He was hearing his own words. Come on, yes. Get hot up here. Yo, many times we think we're just checking the box, and I mentioned I was kind of touched on it. Say we check the box with our children because we bring them to Sunday school, and then we walk away. Or we take them. We say, oh, they're in a Christian school, and then we walk away. Right. I did my part for raising them in the ways of the Lord because I put them in Sunday school and I put them in a Christian church. I mean, those are great things if you can, but that's not, that's not, you're not doing your role in impressing. Like, you have to do the pressing. You do. And you have to look at it as children's church and, and Christian school are just things that will uh, reinforce what you are teaching your children. Come on, you're going to trust somebody else to teach your children? Especially in the world that we're living in? You can send your kids to public school. That's okay. But guess what? You better be teaching them at home what is right and wrong. Because we need, and you know what? And you know what? We need more kids in the public school systems that will be like, you know what? Um, excuse me, I don't want to do that. Or excuse me, um, I know that the God that I serve does this, this, and this, and this. Guess what? If my daughter ever had to do that and gets an F in the class, guess what? For a test, I'll be okay with it. I'll be okay with it. I say, you know what? Get that F because we're not going to bow down to what the worst world wants to bow down to. Hmm. All right. Put the F on that fridge. Go ahead, girl. Stand up for what you believe in, girl. <laughs> That's right. Come on. Come on. I got to give my, Al, Al another mic from over there. Tag team. 
There's tons of opportunities throughout our days to impress the word of God into our children. When we were youth pastors, we had a, little, a, a young girl with us all the time. Her name was Nishka. She, was our, she became one of our, our goddaughter, right? So now we say she's our goddaughter. And um, Nishka was a trip. She still is a trip. She still is. Nishka is something else. I'll tell you right now. We love her dearly. Um, and God is still working in her, right? But it was like she went everywhere with us. Everywhere. Everywhere. And, and I, I think that's why some of the other kids in the youth group were like, man, Nishka. Because like, she went everywhere with us. We go on vacation, Nishka was with us. We go somewhere else, Nishka was with us. And But what happened was, even though Nishka was with us, we never took, we never ceased to, uh, to grab the opportunity to have teachable moments. So that's what we called them, teachable moments. Kevin and Nishka both were like, oh, here we go, teachable moments. So anything was a teachable moment. You know, we're talking, something happens, and all of a sudden we, we have an opportunity to talk about forgiveness. And then when we talk about forgiveness, he's like, yeah, but you know, we've been forgiven. Like when we accept Christ, he forgives you, and, and it doesn't matter what you've done. And that. So the least we do is be able to forgive others. And so it was like a teachable moment. But it was word, you know? It was like, you know, uh, uh, um, we, 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 we see something that was amazing, like, oh, we're driving. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Yo, isn't that amazing how God can make this, how God created this, the creator of all? You know, everything that we see, everything that we understand. And so we have an opportunity to talk about the creator. Don't you understand that you can pretty much take it back to the word in every conversation? You can. If you also talk to my wife, they, they giggle because she'll, make, she'll, bring, she'll bring every word reference to the conversation. Right? You talk about something like, you know, I don't know. Oh, was something here just disappeared? Oh, the way Philip disappeared after he was done with the Ethiopian? Like, you know, like, I don't know. You know, it was like, like she'll, she'll, she'll do stuff like that, you know, and that's just the way she is. But it always goes back to the word. Yo, Abigail and Kevin, they know all the little side things, all, all the word, all these little things that will take it back to the word. Teachable moments. Teachable moments. <laughs> It wasn't through, oh, here we go. I got to say this. I got to say this. I'm not anti-seminary. I just need to say this. It wasn't through seminary that Timothy first learned the scriptures. I, I I want you guys to understand this. It wasn't through seminary. It wasn't through Bible school. It wasn't through any of that that Timothy learned the scriptures. He learned them at home. Prove that to me, Pastor. All right. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 15, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, here we have Paul having this conversation with Timothy, and Paul says, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. How well are we doing teaching our children the Word of God? We cannot depend on someone else to do it. And you can say, well, I don't know much about it. Well, good. Now you can study it, and you can learn more. And then whatever you learn, you tell your kids. Rachel's upstairs right now, so I think I could talk about her really quick. Rachel accepted Christ, and there was this instant love, like, I need to serve. I need to do something. I love, I, I, I love God so much. And then when she first accepted Christ, I mean, it was like, like, calm down, calm down, calm down. Relax. 
But she was like, and then, and, so, and then she has this love for kids. And so he's like, you know what? You want to help with the kids? Like, yeah, I want to help. But Rachel, I, I believe that a lot, of the, the little, the, the, a lot of the little pillars in Rachel's walk was the fact that she was learning these Bible stories to then teach the children. She would learn the Bible stories to teach the children. And then when she would teach the children, then she would come back and be like, so let's get deeper in this. And she would reach out to those that, you know, to myself, to my wife, and Vanessa was a big part of that. It's like, kind of just like, hey, so I know I, this happened, but like, let's get a little deeper. And she began to grow. She didn't have to know everything. Whatever she learned, she taught. She learned, she taught. And it's the same with her boys. You don't have to know it all to train up your children to teach them, but you need to start like searching and studying and all that. How well are we doing in teaching our children? Have we taught our children how to change a flat tire? I was putting this list together, and I was like, you know what? I don't even think this is relevant for this day because people don't even know how to do anything these days. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not pointing at nobody. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, you know, like, like do people change their own tires anymore? They just... Uh, they have an app for that. They have an app for that. You press it, and someone shows up and does it. Are you teaching them how to change a flat tire? Are you teaching them how to change the oil? Or in my case, teach Kevin, listen, this is a really good place to take your car. They'll change your oil real good. <laughs> Kev, hey, Kevin knows that. What, what I can teach him, I teach him, but I, if I, I'm going to pretend I know stuff when I don't. I said, what I do know is I know some good places. I know some good body shops, some good um, car mechanics. Hey, this guy's real good. This guy's real good. Tell him I sent you. Tell him you're my son, blah, blah, blah. That's what I do. That's my role when it comes to that car stuff. And then be like, wait, wait, how much are they going to charge you? No, 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 no. Tell them to call me. Tell them to call me. <laughs> are, are, are you as a father, perhaps, perhaps you can teach your child how to break down an AR in 90 seconds, an assault rifle. In 90 seconds, take it apart, clean it real good, and put it back together in 90 seconds. Are, can you teach your child that? Uh, not all of us can teach our kids that. But the, the, the question is, you can teach them all those things, but have you taught them how to become a Christian? We're real good at te- wanting to teach our kids stuff, right? But have you taught them how to become a Christian? Have we taught them the importance of doing their best in school? Because I know we all want our kids to do good in school. Do your best in school. We say that over and over again. Have we taught them the importance of doing their best in school, but then never taught them the importance of doing their best for the master? Have we taught them, have we taught them how to treat others, but never taught them how to treat the Lord and his church? A judge once said, we adults spend far too much time preparing the path for our kids and far too little time preparing our kids for the path. You want me, you want me to tell you what that looks like? I'm going to tell you what that looks like. 
I work so hard, 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 I work so hard so they can do this, so they can do that, so they can do this, so they can go here. I work so hard, I work so hard so they can go here, they can go here. I, I call the right people, I, I, I do the right things, I, I have the right connections so that my child, so, they, so my child can have a better life. Or are you preparing your child Are you pouring into your child? Sometimes we have so much energy spent on all the exterior things because we want to have a better life for our children. But then we never take the time to pour into our children that no matter the circumstances of their surroundings, that they will be okay. Do you understand? We can't be with our kids forever. And the thing is, I, I, I can do everything to set up a nice comfy life for my kids and then all of a sudden I'm not here something happens and it all goes away and now they don't know they don't know because I never took the time to prepare them for the path I was so busy mowing and clearing the path and everything like that I didn't teach them how to do it how are we preparing our children for the path the role of a father is to set an example 2 Thessalonians uh, 3, 7 to 9 say, For you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us. But we wanted to give you an example to follow. Paul and those that were with Paul, <laughs> those that were with Paul, they, they provided a model for the Thessalonians to follow. follow. They, they could have just shown up and, and, and as they're serving, they could have been like, yo, feed me. They could have been like, listen, uh, <laughs> we see that a lot today, right? We're traveling, traveling evangelists. Um, <laughs> Hey, it's the truth, it's the truth. Do you want to preach the word of God? Or do you want to get put up on a five-star hotel for you, for everybody that you're with, for your entourage, this and that? You have to have special water. I mean, sometimes we got to, you know, come on. Sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry. These are the things that don't fill the church up. Sorry. But it's the truth. (laughs) I wanted to say more about one. Um, <laughs> there was a time back in California, right? Um, a place called Monterey, Monterey, and uh, this was—it was in California. Monterey was considered a pelican's paradise. You guys know the pelicans, right? Those the birds that fly over the water—they they dip in the water, they get fish from the water, right? And so this was a pelican's paradise because what was going on back in this era were that the fishermen would fish would fish, would fish, and then as they gutted and cleaned the fish, they would take the awful, 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 I, I checked the pronunciation, the awful, which if you don't know what it is, it's like the internal organs and things like that from the bird. and what they would do is they would fling them to the pelicans, fling them to the pelicans, so the pelicans in that, re- in that little area, they were eating good, they were eating good, they were getting fat, they were getting lazy, they were getting content. I mean, they, all they had to do was kind of perch up on a boat, and they would get fed. That's all they had to do, fly, fly, eat, 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 and eat. Well, 
Society figured out a purpose for this intestines. People began to like eat them and like them. Ugh, right? Uh, <laughs> um, it became a delicacy for some people. And so now the fishermen, they're not throwing them out because they can sell them. And so what happens is they stop feeding the pelicans. It had been so long that the pelicans had um, been accustomed to eating from the fishermen that they just waited. All right, we'll just keep waiting. They waited and they waited. Some grew really thin and some even died of starvation. They died of starvation because they forgot how to feed themselves. They got so used to just getting the, the, the handouts, right? that they forgot how to actually go in the water and pull out a fish. Now, you know how there's always like these societies that look out for species and things like that. And so they began worried and they figured out this plan. They said, okay, what we got to do is we got to go further south and we got to get a bunch of pelicans from down there and we got to bring them up here. And so they, they, they brought a bunch of pelican immigrants into... <laughs> into this, this Bay Area, right, where these, and what happened was they, they, they were like, let's see what happens. And all of a sudden, um, the ones that were, were, were brought in, when they got hungry, they went in the water and they got their fish. And the ones that were there were like, oh, wait a minute, what, what's that? <laughs> I'm speaking for like the Pelicans, right? Um, and what happens is, bottom line is, <laughs> they saw the example of the birds that were brought up, that every time they got hungry, they saw how they got their food. And it was then that they were remembered or that they, were, they, were, they learned by watching the example that if they were hungry, they too had to jump in and get the fish. And that's how the species was saved in that area, you know, back in whatever time this happened. So the question is, what type of examples as fathers do we set? I mean, we know we have to teach our kids, and we know we have to set the example, but, but, but let's get deeper. Like, what kind of example are we setting for our children? Well, our children need fathers who are faithful in their attendance, and I'm going to throw this in here today. I'm going to throw this in here today because this is not just a lighthouse thing. This is a body of Christ thing. Across the entire body of Christ, we know that the men-to-women ratio within the church setting is, very, is skewed. It's skewed. You know, I mean, I, we, we love the women of Lighthouse. You guys are awesome. Matter of fact, I could depend on the women of Lighthouse all, to come through. And if, um, I, is this a prize? Is it, can, I, can I say what we're doing? So, so the women got together and they made a feast and we're going to eat after service. Amen? I mean, like, 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 and I'm telling you, and they just whipped it up. You know, uh, to see I was like, so can we do this? All right, let's do it. Bam, 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 bam. And it was like, done. That's the women of Lighthouse. They, they get things done. Men, we have the capability of getting things done. We got the strength. We got the, 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 the passion. When you want to do something, you do it. Because men are like that. If we want to do something. Oh, we're going to do it. It's going to get done. If I just want that one more gun, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> She's like, uh, what? I think you're at your maximum. <laughs> what are we doing to set the example? We need fathers that are more faithful in their attendance. Hebrews chapter 10, 
Hebrews chapter 10, 25 says this. It says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Do we actually live this out? Fathers, men, are we living this out? This is, this is a difference, and this is, what, this, this is something that, that it, it, has, it happens a lot. So I'll take advantage and say it right now. We're getting ready for church, and a cousin shows up, or a friend shows up, and they say, and they say what were you doing? Oh, we were just getting ready to go to church. Why was that? Oh, I wanted to hang out with you. Okay, I can go next week. And you change your plans because family showed up. Somebody says, hey, Vince, Camille, I want to visit you guys for the weekend. You know, can I do this? And, I, and, and we say, well, yeah, you know we have church on Sunday. So you can leave before or come with us. And the thing is, we, we will not change our, our Sunday plans because somebody just showed up. I don't care how far you showed up from. Come with me and we hang out afterwards. But what happens is, it, it's, 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 it happens. Some of us are guilty. I'm not pointing fingers, but it's like, hey, I have family over, so I didn't come to church, Pastor. Okay. okay. That could have been an awesome opportunity to witness. That could have been an awesome opportunity to, 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 to have the seed planted in your family members. But then, do you really desire for them to be saved? Or are you okay with them spending eternity in hell? I mean, those are serious questions that you got to ask yourself. Sorry, that's too deep, right? That's too much, that's too much. <clears throat> Pastor, I didn't go to church because I had to run some errands. Okay. Pastor, I couldn't go to church because I had an appointment. Okay. Pastor, I couldn't go to church because, you, know, um, you know, how times are, so I picked up an extra shift on a Sunday. I didn't really have to, but, you know, it helped me pay the bills and stuff like that, right? Some people work on Sundays because they have to. It's scheduled. They have no choice. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you have a choice. And then choose to work on Sunday. And Sunday is just, you know, it's, just, it's what it is. But during the time that, the very little time that some of us give out to come together to praise and worship the Lord with one another, right? Listen, the reason why I even throw that out there, because we all have errands to run. We all have appointments to run. <laughs> Go, imagine I show up. Yo, where the pastor at? Oh, he, he, he decides to run an errand. It's, it's, it's Sunday, so he decided to run an errand. I, I think he'll be back sometime, maybe, maybe during the altar call. Yo, yo you, you, see, you, see how, you see, like, you can structure your life around what your priorities are. And so what happens is when you choose as a parent, especially as a father, when you choose as a father to switch your priorities around, your children are watching. And what they're seeing is this is not a priority because dad said we was going to go here instead. Listen, family vacations are different. You take a vacation, we, everybody's got to get away. And, and in doing so, you're teaching your children, you know what, sometimes you have to pause, you have to get away, you have to spend some time with family, and I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about moments where you're just like, mm, we'll just do this instead today. Or I got to do this today. Your children are watching. 
They're watching and they're learning and what you are impressing in them is not the word of God. What you're impressing in them is a, a skewed list of priorities. Like, like you're not, they're not understanding what the true priority should be. They got to understand what's important. We need to be, um, what other examples we need to set? We need to set examples in our attendance. We need to set examples that our faith, right? We need, we need faith. We need to show them that, <laughs> that we are ethically faithful to the Lord. And I, and I want to explain this, meaning we got to be fathers, right, <laughs> who actually are who we say we are to people in church, to people around us. Matthew, let me read this. Matthew 23, 27 to 28 says, What sorrow, say sorrow, awaits you teachers of religious law and the Pharisees. And they're talking, about, they're talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, right? But, but you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and with all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Pastor, it's supposed to be Father's Day, man. It's supposed to be nice stuff and making us jump up and down. This is kind of, listen to me. One of the, uh, uh, Do you know that our families and kids, they see right through you? Our wives see through us. Our children see right through us. They see right through you. You're seeing right through me right now, right? Can you see the, you can see that. They see right through us. They know when you're being real. When it comes to spouses, spouses know when the other one is being real or fake. I mean, my dad has his laugh. I'm going to say, I, they go to my dad's church, right? So my dad has this laugh, right? That when he laughs, like, <laughs> he does this little thing, it is the fakest laugh ever. But I, I tell him, Pop, people know that's fake by now. He's like, hey. Like, it's, I, I, think it's, I think it's like he can't stop it. Like, you know, it just comes out. You know the fake laugh and you know the real one. If he coughs when he's laughing, it was real. Like, if he coughs when he's laughing, it was a real laugh. If he's not coughing, he's not really laughing. That's my dad. We know when our spouses are faking it, when they're not being real. You know? Some, some people like, hi, how you doing? And, and like husbands look at their wives like, I ain't going to say nothing. But I know that hi. I know that hi. If you didn't want to say hi, why say hi? Just keep walking. No, I don't know. Like, you know, like, you know, we, we know. We know when it's fake and we know when it's real. But the thing is this, our children do too. They, that's why I just gave my dad's example. Listen, I know, listen, I could, I'm going to write a book about my dad one day. I am. And I'm going to sell it to his church members. So they can have the key. So you guys can have the key. <laughs> um... Listen, they know when you're being a phony. And so the worst thing is 
that you come to church or you're out and you're telling others about Christ and then they see you at home. They see you at home and how you're acting at home. You know, um, they see what you say out publicly and they see what happens privately. Like what happens when the, the husband and wife get into an argument at home? How is daddy talking to mommy? How is he treating mommy? Is he disrespecting mommy? I mean, he said all these things. He said all these things in church. But in front of me, he's saying some pretty mean things. He's treating mommy really bad. He put his hands on mommy? He pushed mommy? Do you understand, like, the confusion with these younger children? And then when your children are teenagers, like, whatever, it's all fake, it's phony, I don't need it. What happens when you come home and you repeat a joke that you heard at work that you really shouldn't have been listening to, and then you repeat it and you laugh about it, and your children, especially the older ones at this point, they're like, that doesn't really sound like something that I would say in Sunday school. I mean, I wouldn't repeat that in church. Why are we talking about this at home? Listen, when we were youth pastors, my arch enemy, our arch enemies were parents like these. I'm going to tell you why. I had, a, I, had a, I had a handful of teens that really loved the Lord. They would come hungry to worship and to learn more about the Lord. We, and we would teach them, like we would try to disciple them of how, living like a Christian. How do we live like someone that has a relationship with Christ, right? Now, their parents, the ones that were not saved, hey, that's all good. I'd ra- yo, I, I, I'd rather have unsaved parents <laughs> when I was a youth pastor because guess what? A lot of them got saved through their children. But the worst was those that brought their kids to church and stayed in church and were a part of the church, and then as I were teaching their teens how to live lifestyle of a, of a disciple of Christ, their parents are at home destroying their whole testimony. What they're saying, what they're doing, where they're going. The, the same things we're trying to teach these teens. Listen, you know, you got to forgive because Christ first forgave him. We're forgiven through his blood and he sacrificed himself so we can, and you got to forgive people. And I know it's hard and you can't hold on to bitterness and then they're home and then, and then they hear their mom on the phone. I will never forgive that woman. You don't know what she did to me? Oh, I'm going to hold that to the grave. And they're like, she goes to church. I go to church. I learned this, but she's living this. We teach, listen, you got to make time to read the Word of God. you got to get time to pray. I know it's not easy. So even if it's four minutes, five minutes, we would tell our teens, just a couple verses. Just, just, just get into a habit. And they would go home, and their, and their parents' Bible was on, a, was on the ledge. And you know how some families have, like, the decorative Bible that sits on a ledge, and you can write your name on it because the dust that has accumulated on the Bible, they see that. And so, well, Daddy's never opened this. Mommy doesn't read. My parents, I'm grateful that my parents, although not perfect, my parents gave me an example of what I was learning. They taught me, 
and they were the example as well. Um, we talked about faithful in attendance. I'm going to tell you something. My dad did not miss anything. We were growing up, we would go at every service, and he would not miss. And I hated it as a child. I hated it. Can I be honest? I hated it. I felt like we were in church more than we lived our life like normally. Something that it did, though, it taught me something. My father's commitment showed me to be committed. And although, as an adult, we don't have service every night, right? Although we have times to, to be able to spend time with family and do things like that, guess what? We still have moments that we have to take out for the Lord. We have moments that we need to come together. And those moments, because of my upbringing, I'm not going to miss. I think I missed one time because I had the swine flu. Remember that? The swine flu. When that was a thing. Like, and, I, and even then, I was like, call me. I want to be there on the phone because we were, we were throwing like a youth, a youth revival or something like that. And I was like, how am I going to miss it? I got to be there. I'm the youth leader. I got to be there. And I was like, I'm not going to miss it. And then I'm telling you, like, I had to, I was on, this was pre-COVID. I was online on the phone. I believe that my, my father's example led to me living a life dedicated um, to attending dedicated to knowing prioritizing. Guess what? We plan vacations. When I plan a vacation, I try to plan it where I at least make, okay, I'll miss one Sunday, but not two. You know how you can schedule it like that, right? You can almost have two weeks and only miss one Sunday. You can go on a two-week vacation, only miss one Sunday. But that was just me. I can't tell you how to do that, but that was just me. That was how I was, how I was taught. I believe that, my, that his example led to the way I am and that I would like to think that my example is the reason why my son won't even miss a Sunday even when he needs to sometimes. You see, I mean, I, he don't, I know he don't want me to talk about him, but he's back there every Sunday. I think since we've merged as a church, I think he's missed one. I think he wasn't even happy about it. He gets angry when he can't do when he when he couldn't when he can't be here. I, I, I like to think that he saw that example in me. That when even when I wasn't feeling well, even when even when you know uh, I was tired, even when there were a million things to do. I would rearrange the schedule, like, you know, like the, the puzzle. All right, guess what? Let's just do this first. Let's go to church first. We'll figure this out when we get out. Our example. You know, um, I think it was uh, Martin Luther, and, and I don't remember the exact way he said it, but he, 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 did like a, he, he did a eulogy at a, a colleague's funeral. And it was, I guess this is where people started saying this for the first time. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But in this, the famous line from this eulogy was, he lived what we preached. He lived what we preached. So the question is, really quick, is like, can are, are, we, are we living what we're preaching? And if, when we pass away, will our children be able to look at him like, man, everything they used to say, that's how he was. That's what they were. They, they were solid. Fathers, fathers, um, we need to be examples, right, in our faithfulness to the Lord in service, in service. I have to, I know that, I know that they are not fathers, right? Um, but I have to give it to two young ladies uh, publicly 
Taina and Sasha really uh, went all out in this outreach. They went all out. They, they, you know, they, they, they blessed the church. Taina went and was like, she bought all the food. I mean, I don't know if she wanted me to tell you sorry. I just told you. All the food. We had a donation of member, 200 bags that came in. Okay, so real quick, real quick, real quick. I'll be, I'll be I'm sorry. I know, I know y'all hungry. The food's back there. We're going to eat. But listen, Ruby opened up with talking about being the light in darkness. She talked about being out there and realizing, like, the need for the presence of God out there. And sometimes we fall short because we get comfortable in here, right? We get comfortable. We, you know, we got air conditioning. Uh, we got food, right, right after service. We got all this, and we get comfortable. But the thing is this. God doesn't want us to be comfortable in here. This is, where, this is where we learn, and then we go out, and we do what we learn, right? And so we were sitting, and it has been a while for outreach because of COVID, because of all the restrictions, because of being safe. It has been a while. But I believe God was like, okay, let's do something. So he was like, um, one day, boom, 200 bags donated to the church. The same day, or if not the same day, a day later, Tina's like, listen, um... I don't know what happened, but I got all this extra money, and I want to do something. Like, I want to buy, like, something for the church or something. I'm like, she's like, maybe, like, we could feed, like, the homeless. I'm like, wait a minute. Bags, food, this. And I was like, you know what? God was like, listen, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Here's what you need. Go and do it. And so we had, like, this spontaneous outreach because I know Many people couldn't go because it was kind of like last minute. But we had people serving here on Friday night, on Saturday, and they're here Sunday. Saturday we were here. We had families here that were here Saturday, Friday. And then we had another group on, on, on Saturday, Friday, Saturday. Serving. But you know what we need? Because I, I, like I said... We can always count on the women of Lighthouse to serve. Guys, don't get upset with me. Don't be upset with me, men of the church. Don't be upset with me, but I have to tell you this. One of the things I noticed when I first became pastor here was women do everything. Can I say this out loud? I'm sorry. People are just... We have some men in this church that are workers. I mean, we got men working right now. We got men serving right now. But, but, but the balance shouldn't be that the, the women shouldn't be carrying this church on their shoulders. Men, we need to stand up and we need to be faithful to the Lord in service. Do you know that your example in being faithful to the Lord in service will do so much for your children? They're watching you. They're watching you. As you serve, they're going to learn to serve. As you sacrifice of your time, they're going to learn to sacrifice of their time. As you, re- as you let them know this is priority in my life, you're teaching them what should be priority in theirs. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 and 45 says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first 
must be slave of us. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus himself, Jesus himself came to earth and he could have just snapped fingers. He could have just said this and said that. He could have, he could have walked around with an entourage. <laughs> he could have asked to be put in hotel suites. <laughs> My wife was like, stop it already. He could have asked for an honorarium of $10,000 to speak for one hour. But he came to serve. People are like, wait, that really happens? Yeah, it does. But we're not talking about that right now. But he came to serve. His example was a lifestyle of servanthood. We have the Son of God. Okay, I know we've done this, and maybe we need to do this again soon because I know we haven't done it as a merged family. But you had Jesus on his knees, touching the dirty feet of his disciples. We know the story, right? They don't have paved roads like we have now, all dirt, muddy, junk. And they didn't have the Nikes that would cover their entire feet. More like some sandals, which means that all that stuff is actually touching their feet. And he would take their feet and he began to wash them. The Son of God. Showing us the example of servanthood. Just one of the many. By washing the feet of his disciples. The Son of God could get on his knees and serve. My question is, why can't we? Why can't we serve? Well, you know, Pastor, I'm busy. You know, Pastor, I got sports. I got this. I got work. I got, I, listen, I, we all got that. But you can choose to make time. And so, men of this church, Yo, and you know what? Last summer, last summer we had a tailgate party. I remember this conversation. Last summer we had a tailgate party. I gave this awesome Braveheart speech, I would like to think. And the men were like, yeah, let's do it. All right, rise up. And I, I was like, that's right. But we never moved forward. Men, I need you. I need men around me. So my call, my call to you is not, you know, first most is for you to, to, to lead your families by example. To be the father that God intended you to be. But there are people in this church that don't have fathers. There are people that don't have fathers, may not have known their fathers. And guess what? It is your responsibility to act like a father. To let them see a father in you. And so even though maybe you say your children see your sacrifices, maybe your children see you working hard, but there are people in this church body that as if you don't serve in the church, if you don't take leadership, if you don't take authority, if you don't move forward, then they don't see that in the men. And what they do is 
They see it in all the women. Again, women, you do a great job. I just want to empower the men to do more. Can you guys stand with me to this, this, this uh, morning? Our Christian life, it involves service within the church and to others. It involves sacrifice. It involves making decisions that we wouldn't want to make. Remember we talked about the I Choose series? Remember the I Choose series? We go back to I choose the pain of discipline now, then the pain of regret later. Oh, I really want to go to watch that game. Man, listen, football season is about to start. I'm trying to get my son to go with me to watch the open, the opening, our opening game, right? It's at 4 o'clock at MetLife Stadium. I was like, Kev, as soon as we finish, if we leave right away, we can make it. But notice I didn't tell him, we just, we'll skip church and we'll go. Now I know everyone has different convictions. I can't force my convictions on you. I can't. I can't. And I don't want to. I'm speaking of what I know. I'm speaking of what I know. But I do want to leave you with some awesome news today. Fathers, we're not perfect. Who's a perfect father here in the church? Any perfect fathers? Uh, first, first, let me ask this. How many fathers do we have in the church? Raise your hand if you're a father. All right. Look at, look at those men. Now, out of all those fathers, which one of you guys are perfect? We're not perfect. We know that. We know that. I think there would have been some hands up on Mother's Day if we'd asked the same question. <laughs> We know we're not perfect, and the good news is that although we fall short, although we may not know it all, although we don't have all the answers, we serve a God that does. He's got all the answers. He's given us this book so that we can know what to say to our kids when they ask us questions that stump us. Even though we're still stumped at home with one of the questions that my four-year-old asked us, how can God be in heaven, and how can he be here too? Are there two Jesuses? No, it's one. Well, how? He's omnipresent. Okay, but how? How is he everywhere? Toddler, a toddler, I don't think she can understand the, the, the godness that he's just everywhere. But for the most part, all the answers aren't here. No, the answer for that is in here too. I just need to learn how to say it to a four-year-old. You know, you can make a decision today. Because if you realize that I've fallen short, perhaps my priorities have been incorrect and I've been teaching my children uh, the wrong priorities, Today is a day that you just come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Fix me. I'm willing, to, I'm, I'm willing to surrender to you. I'm willing to start trying today. I'm willing to start trying today. 
That's all we got to say. I'm willing to start trying today. That's all you need. Because sometimes, you know, men are kind of like shady when it comes to making a commitment, some of us. Well, if I say yes, then I got to be there. If I say, listen, or if I say yes, then, you know, what if I can't do it? What if I'm going to fail? I don't want to say yes and then fail. That's another big guy thing. I don't want to say yes to something, but then not be able to come through. Listen, that's why all you have to say this morning is, I'm willing to try, God. Because the truth is, you're going to fail again. You're going to fall short again. But we just got to be willing to try. We got to be willing to try to teach our kids. We got to be willing to try to be the example. We got to be willing to try to to put God first so that our kids can put God first when they become adults. We got to be willing to try. Some of us struggle because we didn't have the example. Perhaps you didn't have the example of a godly father. And you struggle being one. Because the example that you were set may have been opposite or maybe wasn't present at all. The good news is this. His example or his desires for you are in this book. You know, God the Father gives us the example of love. God the Father gives us the example of forgiveness. He gives us the example of grace. He gives us the example of mercy. He gives us the example of consistency. Because imagine, oh, sorry, sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't save you from that because I had to, had to run an errand. God's example, he gives us an example of faithfulness because guess what? His greatest example of love and faithfulness to us was the fact that he was like, you know what? I'm going to send my son down to die. I'm I'm, going to be faithful with my love for them. My love for them is so unconditional that I'm going to allow my son to die for such a dirty, ugly world. That without their deserving of him, without them deserving of it, I'm still going to let him die so that they can have eternal life. That they can have a chance for redemption. God the Father showed us ultimate love, the example of ultimate love by sacrificing his son for us. So today, today I just want to say, What is your role? We're going to be praying, and um, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. We can pray and smell the sweet aroma of all the food. (laughs) Jesus. The food will help the prayers go faster. Praise God. Father God, while we're praying, the altar is open. If you just want prayer for strength, if you just want prayer to help with your commitment, if you just want prayer, and you know what? I know this is Father's Day, but there are some mothers that that are alone in this. And guess what? If you want prayer, we we want to pray with you too. We want to pray with anyone who today is saying, I want to do a better job teaching my children. Or if you don't have children, I want to do a good job. Lord, prepare me now. Prepare me now. Create a lifestyle within me now 
so that when I do have kids, I can train them up correctly, that I can show them the love of God correctly. The Father God, the altar's open. I want to pray. Father, Lord, right now we come before you, Lord. Look at each and every person that's here today. Some of us are struggling, Lord, with being able to commit. The Bible says to commit your commands wholeheartedly, and some of us are having troubles committing to your commands wholeheartedly. Lord, we need you today. We need help, Lord. Some of us are sitting there saying, I've tried on my own strength, and I still can't do it. And I'm like, because you're not supposed to do it on your strength because you're weak. You're weak. He's the strong one. You don't have to try to be strong. You just acknowledge that you're weak and allow him to be strong in your weakness. The altar is open because we want to pray for you because some of us, Father God, we struggle, Lord, with being able to set an example. We say things that sound good, but then we don't act it. Father, help us. The altar is open because some of us still haven't committed our relationship with Christ yet. There are some of us here that we haven't made that commitment to say, I want to serve you. I want to follow you. We haven't told Jesus to come into our hearts and today can be the day. The Bible says it. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. We want to pray with you. If you're not feeling well, we want to pray with you. If you need encouraging word, we want to pray with you. Sometimes we miss out on such a blessing because we just don't want to move and take a step of faith. What you're going through, it takes a step of faith. We want to pray with you. You're not alone. You're not going through the things you're going through alone. Father God, have your way, Lord. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. Help us. Father God, I ask that you empower and that you encourage the men of this church. Lord, look at the men of this church. That you instill a passion and a desire that no one could shut off. Lord, that the men of this church will rise and that it will shock not only the church but the whole community that the impact that you be glorified through it all we worship you Lord in Jesus name Amen Amen